It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Gotta get this win. Get this win. Get one win. If anybody in this organization ever talks about losing in that building, they're gone. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose, but act like you care. JT the Brick. We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Brick. JT will be back tomorrow, but you've got Doug Douglas here with Greg Salerno. We will guide you through this hour. We'll get off a little bit early as Eddie Pascal will be on with upon further review coming up in about 20-some minutes. But before that, we're going to bring on somebody I've learned more from baseball. Josh Towers and I used to do UNLV Rebel games, and I've been watching baseball since I was basically three years old. And I thought, you know, hey, I know a lot about baseball. But the couple seasons that he and I did uh, Rebel Baseball, I swear, I learned so much. It was fun to just sit next to a former major leaguer and soak in the knowledge. So, Josh, soak that knowledge out to everybody, gosh darn it. Hey, Fresh, what's up, buddy? Hey, hey, hey. Um, I try sometimes, but sometimes people don't want to listen, you know? <laughs> that that is true. That that's not just baseball. That's life in general. That's not your fault. Oh, Doug, you're right. I got a daughter who's 16, and she don't listen at all. That's uh, yeah, that's par for the course. Well, my kid yeah. now is 22. He's starting to listen a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's saying, "Wow, you were kind of right about that." That's I guess that's just the transformation of years. I do remember Josh. Uh, yeah. One time you were saying, and this is one thing that really sticks with me. One time you were saying, hey, that pitcher, I forget who it was. It wasn't a Rebel pitcher. It was somebody else. They're tipping the pitches. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got to, you know, that's that's something. And you were you were saying, uh, I guess, going back in time a little bit, Johan Santana, you said he used to tip his oh, pitches. Yeah. But, my gosh, who cares, man? The guy was a machine. He was just getting people out. It was great. Yeah, no, well, how good was Johan Santana? Yeah, so it's it's so little, and these guys are at such an advanced form of playing the game or whatever sport it is. And so, you know, for most of us, we're just we turn the TV on, and we we we've been got so used to how good these guys are that we kind of take it for granted. But there's a reason. There's a massive separation in skill set and whatever it is. Um, and so I got guys like Carlos Delgado or or any of these stars of our game, and there's a reason why they're advanced. It's, if we're just trying to go, you know, physical ability versus physical ability, I'm going to say it's not going to work out very well for us pitchers just trying to throw a ball hard by somebody. Um, so then you find all of these different ways, is, which is I think goes into what you're saying about learning baseball from me, is we have to start thinking on a, on a much more advanced level. And so if I can have some sort of just a little piece of information that's going to give me an advantage, I want it. And so that's one of it. I mean, I got Johan Santana put those from the left side, throwing 95 miles per hour with one of the best changes we've ever seen. Um, it's not going to be easy to hit him. And so what do you do? And he used to, like, where he comes set with his glove, he would lay his glove slightly down or slightly forward just enough to where if it was just at the bottom of the lettering, then it exposed the bottom of the lettering. Something so minimal, but we can see it. And it was just, all right, well, there's the fastball, there's the changeup. Kurt Schilling did. I told you, dude, Kurt Schilling tip pitches against us when he was with Boston and we're with Toronto. Now, keep in mind, you face your division opponents back then 19 times a year. 
once Kurt Schilling realized he can't get us out and he couldn't figure out why, we lit him up so bad. He didn't face us for two years. Coincidentally, <laughs> uh, we all, buddy, we all tip. Right? We all have some sort of something that we do, and it goes back to like tendencies. And when you start learning players' tendencies, there's the advantage I need to to try to get you out or for you to get a hit off me, man. So like, you know, we waste a lot of time eating seeds, spitting gum, all that stuff, but we're really trying to pay attention to something. I will say this, Greg. What blew my mind was my whole life I grew up thinking that if uh, at an end of a series, if a starting pitcher was playing in a different series, that starting pitcher got to fly to that other city ahead of time. And Josh, you were saying that wasn't the case? No. It's, I mean, it does happen. It's happened. Uh, I've had to turn it down a couple of times, especially in the minor leagues. But, yeah, I mean, we got a maybe a day game tomorrow. We're in a different city, and we're playing a night game tonight. Sleep's going to be minimal. And as we know about baseball, any pitcher can take over and dominate a game at any point. Offensively, it doesn't matter. You can go four for four, but your team can still lose with four bombs. But from a pitching perspective, if I'm locked in, I'm locked in. And so they would offer that, especially in the minor leagues where I would get rest. The problem is, is there's no there's no guarantees, right? And so uh, I never wanted – I just felt like it was disrespectful for me to leave my teammates. If they got to go through a long night and late travel and stuff, and, you know, we're, we're doing this together – but there's people that, that did take advantage of it, but it just became, I don't know, I just think it kind of got uh, frowned upon, so they they done without it. And the other thing is, is I know with the Orioles back in the day, we had sent one of our top prospects home early for the same reason, uh, and somehow, some way, this dude showed up late to our game the next day. So that was the kibosh on that right away. I don't know what you're doing, buddy, but that was a bad look. He didn't last very long. Go figure. Josh, uh, Doug and I were talking about um, the rules in baseball, some of the newer rules, and also how, you know, like tennis uses electronics and things like that uh, for the lines and all that. I was wondering from a player's perspective, because I think they should use it for everything. I'm not a human error guy. I feel like if Mm -hmm. you're going to put money on a game, you should know (laughs) what's going to happen in that game, at least have it be within the lines. How do players feel about that? Like, do you care about the human error thing, or do you think they should use, like, a uh, skybox for umpiring? I mean, how do the players feel about that stuff? What is the exact question? Like, like, how do you feel about the officiating in in an MLB game? Should there be more electronics used, or do you have a problem with the human error? Like, yeah, well, if, if, we're, if we're going to adjust to using this for some stuff, then we kind of have to use it for all stuff, right? But I also right. believe in the purity of, of Las Vegas where you get free drinks when you gamble and there's no charge for valet parking. Let's be honest, man. That's, that's what makes Vegas special. So for me, that's, that's what our game is, is. It's one of the beauties. The true beauty is, no, is there's no clock, right? We don't have a time limit on our game. But then it's this, like I have an umpire because you and I aren't going to agree, right? So then we hire somebody to be unbiased and to call it down the middle of the best of his ability. But listen, we're all human, and that's what we're based off of. We are not perfect. And so you're trying to take human beings and mix them with this perfect set of, of electronic whatever. But, okay, we can only use electronics for this but not this. So we can only use, and I don't agree with that. If we're going to do it for some, then we do it for all but I would prefer it stay out of it. Um, no, you know, no, no particular reason. Not that like, I mean, I got stories that works both ways. But that's what that's what we are, right? We're we're built on. We're telling now. We're telling you that you can't fail. That failing's not an option, which is the most false thing of all time. Because you're never su- going to succeed in life, and I don't care what it is. 
without failing. We take a couple steps backwards every now and again. That's how this world has been built. And so we're trying to like go down this path of saying failing is not an option. Well, we're never going to be successful if we think like that. I don't, I don't like how, again, sometimes we can do it and sometimes we can't. The flip side is, is like, everything that we know about the game is, is altered. Now, we, we know we definitely can't compare generational stats. We can't compare a lot of things to the past. You know, we can't get mad if Scott Rowland gets inducted in the Hall of Fame when his numbers were an average 12-year career, 15-year career. Like, it's, that wasn't great, right? So then what do, we, what do we do with all this information? The one thing that more than anything that I do not like is the box on the television. Because we're, <laughs> you're, you're leading us to believe that, that – that's 100% accurate if it goes into the fifth strike. If it doesn't, it's a ball. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That box is, is so inaccurate. It's unbelievable. So we're misleading people and causing a stir among social media and news on something that's not accurate. So I personally would like to, to, to disregard it. Um, but then I want calls right. I don't get along with your answer. I had a play in Toronto. Joey Gathright was bunting uh, very fast. Him and Carl Crawford used to hit nine and one, so he had the two fastest dudes on planet Earth hitting back-to-back, which no pitcher likes. And he bunts the ball to the first baseline. I'm really good at filling my position, so I feel this ball, and he starts to, to veer away from me, so he goes out of the baseline to an extent. And I go and tackle, not tackle him, but I hit him in his ribs, and we both went rolling. And for whatever reason, brilliantly by him, he – crawls the first base and touched the first base. So what it made the umpire think is, oh, maybe I didn't tag him. So the umpire calls him safe. Now, I know I, I, know I hit him. I hit him really hard. Um, so he calls him safe. We lost that game 6-5, to five, right? He scored. So we ended up losing 6-5. We lost by one. That was a, it was a loss for us, a loss for Josh personally. And if we had instant replay, it wouldn't have been called the same. They would have overturned it. So for me, there's value in that. Like, I want... I want the game accurately called because of what's at stake. With that said, the beauty that you guys, not you guys, you guys know, fans of today and moving forward will never know one of these lost arts of what I feel baseball is, is so, it's just so special about it, is Lou Pinella was the manager. Now, Lou Pinella, no umpire ever wanted to argue with Lou because he got in his face and would spit and yell and it gets really close and no one liked it. So, <laughs> I asked the umpire, would you get help by the home plate umpire? And he said no, so he wouldn't do it. I thought that was kind of rude. So I find out three innings later, two innings later, from my first base in Lyle Overbay, who, by the way, his son just agreed to go to UNLV, so he's going to be playing for our Rebels here pretty soon. Oh. Lyle Overbay uh, tells me a couple of innings later, he's like, JT, you know why he didn't ask for help when you asked him? And I said, no, what did he say? And he said because he didn't want to have Lou Pinella argue with him because he knew <laughs> Lou would. He goes, and he didn't want to be spit on, so he didn't because just in case he got it wrong, he didn't want that. Uh, and I was like, well, again, I, I appreciate the fact that he was honest about it. But having an umpire, or sorry, a, a head coach, we don't get to argue no more. We just tap our head and they go to the camera. Like, it helped win them games because of what all that. I mean, there's so much that goes behind cool stuff like that. And all of that, the, the art of arguing and when to argue, it's all gone now. That's, you know what? That is because I am on Greg's side. We're kind of, I think the accuracy is most important. But you know what? That is a great point because if I go back in time and some of my most fond memories, you know, I grew up 
a Cubs fan, but I grew up in Southern California, so I went to a lot of Dodgers games. And of course, we got on TV. Yeah, I mean Walter Alston didn't, but Tommy Lasorda. I mean, that's you you paid (laughs) for that. Yeah, you paid for that. You'd see him wind up, and I remember my mom going, "He's not going to live long." Like if he (laughs) argues like that. So that is a great point, and you're right that you you look back on your youth and you're like, man, some of those arguments were something. Speaking with Josh Towers here, former MLB, and I know when I called you you uh, yesterday and asked you to be on the show, I, I said some of these standings are kind of topsy turvy, and we started to argue almost right there, and I was like, wait, 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 we said let's save it for air. But I'm looking just specifically. National League Central and National League West. You've got Cincinnati and Arizona on top. I mean, I could throw in the Texas Rangers over there. Uh, first of all, the Hale Central. Who cares who's in first because that division is kind of a womp womp. But did you, and you started to come back on a few teams, Tampa Bay. I mean, they're, I'm not, they're, they're where they deserve to be. And I'm not saying any team's not where they deserve to be. But to me, Cincinnati where they are and Arizona where they are right now is stunning, and I think both teams will regress in the second half of the season. What are your thoughts on those teams? How long until our commercial break does? How long have we got there, Bobby? Eight minutes. Here we go. Oh, wind it up, Josh. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, you did wind me up. Um, listen, some uh, I had baseball lessons today, and one of the kids brought up uh, his Seattle Mariners, and we started talking about that type of stuff, and he said to me, now, because Atlanta gets a lot of pub for having all these, like their whole infield starting on the All-Star team. And they get notoriety. They're on TV. They're very popular. They're very good. We know this. And so he says, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't have any starters or something like that. And they're one of the best teams in the league. And I was like, yeah, the approach is different, right? I said, Kevin Cash is one of the best managers. I said, Tampa Bay goes about their business to win baseball games. That's the coaching staff in front office's goal, to win and so they built the team around the way they coach and the way they prepare to win. And I said, Atlanta's the counter. Atlanta is so dang good and talented. They're built around winning as well. But they have it done through this core nucleus of just absolute stud players. The approach is different. The goal is the same. We don't have that in, in other areas. We don't, we, don't, we don't get that. We have... Uh, maybe a star player, but there's no team involved in it, right? Or you give almost every other manager in the game Tampa Bay, and they can't do what Tampa kind of Cash and Chad Mattel and all these guys are doing. It's it's just different. And so we look at the Cincinnati Reds. You know, they were a game off of making the playoffs a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden sold their entire team and were god awful. And all of us are going, "What are you?" Doing, you were so close, and you know me, dude. I don't believe in rebuild. We have a draft every year, and we have a minor league system with levels every year. To me, there's no such thing as a rebuild. But then you look at Cincinnati, and you go, "What are they doing?" Well, they're doing a few things, and more importantly, what they're doing is Ellie De La Cruz. And Ellie De La Cruz, it's not because of his talent and how skilled he is as a baseball player, because that goes without being said. We don't have anybody in our game who hustles. But now we have this nucleus of young kids, and we got another one who did start in the All-Star game, Corbin Carroll, who are willing to hustle. Like, we're a byproduct of – we're such followers as people here in the United States. And so we follow whatever people do, and if, 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 if Doug doesn't want to hustle, then Josh is like, no, I'm not going to hustle either then. Well, now i got young kids who are, who are kind of like, you know what, that's not me. I want to bust my butt all the time. Like, I don't care what somebody else does. I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. And pride in my family and how I grew up tells me I want to hustle. 
So you get this kid coming up to the minor leagues who instantly never played in the big leagues, is hustling and beating. He has a pride of beating out balls the first base. His goal is if I hit a ground ball, you aren't going to get me. I'm the fastest man on earth. And so he sets this physical tone by his actions. Some people are verbal leaders, vocal leaders, and some people are physical. They just bite. They do it. They don't have to talk. And this kid has set a precedent as a young kid who doesn't have to, is hustling and making everybody around him better and showing everybody that, dude, we don't have to worry. Who cares what everybody else says about us? What do we feel? How do we want to lead? Who do we want to be? And this dude sets a tone for a team that he's never played on before, and now he's this leader they have because he's physically willing to do things. Well, Corbin Carroll did this too in Arizona. But the other thing Arizona has is two of the best pitchers in our game who get no publicity. And Gallon and these boys can absolutely throw the rock. And so they set the tone because, like I said earlier, with Johan Santana, I can dominate the course of a baseball game. I don't care what your name is. If a pitcher is locked in, you're not doing anything. And so Arizona, they got to their team, but they kept the nucleus of what was going to help keep them in game while they piece pieces around and figure out how they're going to successfully win. And so everybody has this remedy. Um, the Dodgers are a good team, and they've always coached well, but what are they missing this year? Pitching. They're missing their bullpen. They blow more games than anybody, and they can't figure out why. So as great as your roster is with all these beautiful names, top to bottom, you're missing the backbone of any winning team right now, which is the bullpen. And so there's a case for all these teams, but the, the example is up to why it's right there in front of us. But we just get caught up in, in offense. We're such an offensive world that we, we, we have a tendency to look past certain things. You know, that's first of all, thank you for that on the Cincinnati, especially because and we are starting to get up against the clock here, but that is, you know, you think about NBA and you think, okay, there's five players on the court, but then the great thing is with baseball, sometimes you think, well, you know, can one player, you know, really make that much of a difference? But you're right. If they lead by example and they're hustling, and then also, you know, that kind of sets a precedence in the dugout and around the team. And that's interesting. So, like I said, we're kind of against the clock. Do you think Cincinnati... Then, and I realize there's injuries, there's tons of things that can happen, but do you think that they have the legs then? Because the run differential is a minus, but their record, you know, they're above 500, eight games above 500. Do you think they, just to point on them for a minute, can sustain the wins and get into the playoffs this year? Yeah, well, they have to make a move, right? If they believe, and I think they would at this point, they believe that they can and will win in the postseason. If they feel like they're that close to being ready, they have to go make a move and be willing to give up some depth that they have in the minor league system to secure it. So then you go to their division, and for some reason St. Louis is not it. The Cubs we know are not it. Pittsburgh is surprisingly good, but they don't have the team either. And then Milwaukee hovers around just like Milwaukee does. They don't ever run away. And so when they sit back and go, you know what, internally we feel like we have this, and we've been very good on the road. Against teams with a 500 record or better, we're 500, so we're doing well. If they truly believe in July that they have this team, I think they go add a couple pieces. And yeah, I think that they can continue. They are very young still. I mean, Ashcroft and these guys are, are fantastic, but young. The other thing is, real quick, is they got that closer, and they do that cool thing that hasn't hit publicity yet, but they do like a red out or something in Cincinnati when this guy comes in, and it really is neat to watch. So 
you know, they got a lot of pieces put in place that, that could win. And I, I think you'll see them make a move. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks a lot, Josh, for coming on. And uh, someday we'll have to meet out at an Aviators game and watch some baseball because I need to learn more from you. Buddy, I'm in. You know that. It's good to hear from you. Thanks for calling me, Doug. All right. Thanks a lot, Josh. Josh Towers, former MLB player. And uh, like I said, it is just amazing how much you can learn from, you know, a former MLB player. Sure. Or Greg Salerno. We got a tiny little break coming up, and then we'll come back with something very exciting right here on the JT the Brick Show. Spire deal swung on and ripped the deep left center field. It is high, it is far, it is gone. Anthony Volpin. A home run to deep left center field. The Fox Sox won the left. And the Yankees take a 4 nothing lead. Oh, baseball. We got baseball. Wimbledon's going on. Doug Douglas here with Greg Salerno. Just a few minutes left of us. JT the Brick back on tomorrow. And, of course, coming up at 2 here on Raider Nation Radio is Unnecessary Roughness and Greg's weekly show, The Arena, coming up at 2 o'clock over on ESPN Radio 1100. And you've got, uh, amazingly enough, Q. The powers of uh, the magic. magic. It really is. magic. We'll just say it's magic. But the reason why we don't have – you're looking at your clock and you're saying it's 25 after the hour. you got a ton of time. Well, we're going to play Upon Further Review with Eddie Pascal of the Raiders – so you've got some Raider content coming up. JT back tomorrow. A lot of good stuff. And I know JT and Bobby, tomorrow they will start. And I love this concept. I can hardly wait. With the offensive line, all-time greats, they'll go position by position. And all throughout the next few days and weeks, they will break down who you, they want your input, I know, think are the greatest Raiders of all time. So what do you say? we got to get ready for our next show here, Greg Hall. Oh. Hardest working men in show business. I'm telling you, man, I got to run over there and do that show. And then uh, I got some uh, other hard work to do after that. I got to build a cabin. So <laughs> Build a cabin with your bare hands? Yes, with my bare hands. I like it. Well, I want to remind everybody that Modelo is an official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Modelo, rooted in the heart of Raider Nation, drink responsibly, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. It's good beer. Till next time, JT tomorrow. Oh, what, what you, we got two more minutes. Twenty seconds. I'll be like I'll be like the end of the Rich Eisen show where the guy just started talking real. Just read your resume slow. or something. Coming up next upon further review. Raider Nation, what is going on? Eddie Pascal here back at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And yes, it is about that time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us for another episode of Upon Further Review. And this is our final episode pre-holiday, right? Pre-4th of July. More on that later. But I hope you guys are enjoying an official start to summer. If you're in Las Vegas, I hope you're enjoying some air conditioning because it is heating up. And it is, uh, feels like it's going to be quite, uh, quite toasty for quite some time. But in other things that are toasty today, other things that are hot, we're feeling good. Strong episode of the show today. Feeling good, feeling great. We are going to wrap up 
our content day series, if you will, playing interviews from from that day of, a few weeks back with our interview with Brian Hoyer. When I say our, I mean JT the Brick, our boy Q Myers, and uh, our very own Eric Allen. So make sure you stick around for that. Brian Hoyer, who is now, we were joking about this before we hit record. Brian Hoyer now, a pod presence on the Raiders Podcast Network. His second appearance, second appearance before I even get to camp. And you know I go heavy on the backup quarterback when we get to camp. So pretty incredible. Big shout out to Brian Hoyer for being a early contender for friend of the program in 2023. Perhaps, possibly, we shall see. But all the same, big shout out to Brian Hoyer for hanging out and make sure you stick around for that. But also a business to take care of. No transactions this week brought to you by Shift4 Payments. So we shift into now. We have been waiting. Big headline this week, my friends. We have report dates for training camp 2023. Yes, yes, yes. We have the dates. So here we go. On July 20th, less than a month from now. Oh, it warms my heart. On July 20th, the Raiders rookies will report to camp at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center officially kicking off 2023. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. I cannot wait. It's going to be hot. Can't wait. Scorching outside, but a lot of work to get done. So July 20th for report date for your rookies. And then on July 25th, that's veteran report day. I do not have, as of this recording, as we record on a Thursday morning, an official training camp calendar in terms of when the team will officially practice, et cetera, et cetera. But if history is any indicator, practices will start in short order, after July 25th, I just don't have that date officially, so I don't want to share it with you because I don't got it. But all the same, we are getting so much closer. It is so exciting. We are approaching, approaching, approaching the start of training camp 2023. And as we get ready to officially dive into the start of training camp, this also means, and if you have subscribed to this pod feed, you know this, the Raiders Training Camp Podcast is also coming back. So much exciting news this week. Me and our guy Jesse Merrick from News 3 here in Las Vegas, we are going season three of the Raiders training camp pod, uh, and that will debut... I would assume probably probably pretty quickly after the uh, the 25th. Again, waiting on an official practice calendar. But Jesse and I are going to go wire to wire with you through the preseason just like we did a year ago. So from training camp all the way up to week one, breaking down all things silver and black. I cannot wait. It is so good to get our guy Jesse back in the mix for year three. That is wild. Year three. Uh, of this little project. So make sure if you haven't heard the tease yet, head on over to uh, wherever you get your pause, Raiders.com or otherwise. Download that. Make sure you're subscribed uh, because, yeah, we're going to be going hot and heavy in just uh, just under a month. My goodness. But before, excuse me, not before, after training camp or in the midst of training camp, depending on how you like to break down your football calendars, I just wanted to give everyone a quick reminder about the Raiders' preseason schedule. So we are going to start grinding on July 20th for the rookies, the 25th for the vets, and then we are going to wake up on Sunday, August 13th for the Raiders' first and only home preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers. That is Sunday, August 13th. Kickoff is 1 p.m. Pacific time. After that, the boys are hitting the road. Going to head on uh, head on down to Los Angeles, take on the Rams for a Sunday matchup. That'll be August 19th at 6 o'clock p.m. 
also Pacific. Then we wrap it all up. Week three, the Raiders back in the road traveling to the great state of Texas. They will close out the preseason by taking on the Dallas Cowboys at Jerry World, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium, on Saturday, August 26th, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you are here in Las Vegas, each of those games featured locally on Fox 5 and over at Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. here in Las Vegas. So it's all happening. It is all happening. This is the first, I don't want to say official step, but this is the first step of us getting closer and closer to the preseason and into training camp. We know report date as soon as we have an official training camp calendar in terms of when practices will be, when they will start, all that good stuff. You know that we will send it your way. But man, I cannot wait. What a nice little lift to get us into the holiday weekend, getting a little morsel of news from the good folks at the NFL. But uh, in terms of other things that lift us up, that bring us joy, our guy Max Crosby. And we're going to get to that Max, excuse me, not Max Crosby, the uh, that Brian Hoyer interview in just a sec. But I just wanted to give our guy Max, Mr. Uh, Condor himself, number 98, a little bit of shine because this past weekend or this last weekend, whatever, depending on, again, on how you look at the calendar. Max was inducted into the Eastern Michigan University Ring of Honor. Round of applause, Ray. Round of applause for our guy, Max Crosby. Really, really cool. And it's funny now, because uh, I saw last weekend that Max was, uh, was in Michigan, was honored at their stadium, and they got a pretty slick-looking stadium. The green and the white, it's nice. But I was just thinking, because they still have the same head, excuse me, same head coach, uh, Chris Creighton, that was there when Max was playing. And I just had this really fun memory of after Max was drafted and, you know, typically, and we, we, you know, we seem to do it every year, but we go down and we, and we call either the head coaches or or coordinators for a lot of our draft picks. And so we did that when Max was just a young skinny kid in Oakland and we called Chris Creighton and I'm sure we could, we could dig that up somewhere. I know it's a, I know it was an upon further review back in the day. But I just ha- I remember talking to Coach Creighton, and he was saying, you guys got such a good one. You're going to love this kid. He's going to work his tail off. He's going to get bigger and better, and he's going to become such an asset to you guys. I can't wait to see what he does. And then fast forward to, to now, and that's exactly what Max has done. He's become a premier edge rusher in this NFL. He's become, in many ways, a face of the franchise for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a guy who has done it the right way from day one, who has been a, a role model, a mentor, who has, as I said, done it the right way, been really honest about some of his missteps kind of along the journey, and is now really, and it feels like, you know, crazy to say this, I feel like is getting better and better and better. So super cool for Max to be able to go back to Eastern Michigan, see his name in in that ring of honor. He went there as part of the Champions for Life series that the Eastern Michigan program puts on. Uh, Max had a chance when he was there to talk about his development at EMU, his journey to the NFL, and really, you know, again, overcoming those struggles that, that we've learned so much about over the past couple seasons. But man, really, really cool. And, and I'm just going through, uh, through the release that they put out about Max's journey back. And again, if you want to uh, see even more from Max's trip, make sure you know, head on over to his social media platforms because he, uh, he did a great job of chronicling the whole thing. But this is a, a cool little note, that to be included in the Ring of Honor, which Max is now included in, the individual must have been awarded an All-American status by a major publication and or played in the National Football League game. Well... That'll do, Max. I think you do play in the NFL. All told, 53 EMU greats have their names installed on the top of the stadium. And Max, you know, just the, the latest in that, in that uh, long line of folks. But 
Really, really cool deal, and, and I know I talk at Max all the time, and and everything that he has meant not only to this organization, but really to our department, and being such a uh, you know a valuable partner in everything that we do, and, and always being willing to talk and share his stories, even when things aren't going well, right? I mean, Max has not shied away from from talking about what needs to be better, how he needs to be better when things aren't necessarily going the right way, and uh, and as I said, I will say it till the cows come home. Max is a guy who has done it the right way, who is committed to the right things. And it's just really, really cool to see him get uh, get a nod like this back at a place that I know means so much to him. So big shout out to our guy, Max Crosby. Keep doing your thing. And uh, yeah, man, we'll see you here in just a few weeks for the start of training camp. Oh, even just saying that makes me happy. We'll see you for the start of camp, Max. Oh, love it, love it, love it. But in the meantime, I don't want to rush anyone back. Enjoy your vacations. Relax. Reset the mechanism. Because come July 20th or July 25th, depending on who you are in this team, Time to go. Time to go to work. Time to put those blinders on, and let's uh, let's wake up in February. How about that? But in terms of guy who is going to come to work, and we'll get to work on July 25th when the veterans report to camp, Brian Hoyer, as I said, early contender for friend of the program 2023, Mr. Hoyer. Sat down with Jesse Merrick when I was out on paternity leave, and this week we played the interview of him talking to Eric Allen, Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, and our very own JT The Brick. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yet another phenomenal chat with one of the quarterbacks for your Las Vegas Raiders, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's here as he is. Look, it's game day. Yeah. <laughs> the photos are coming. We really appreciate him yeah, jumping in and see, joining Brian. us All right. at the table. Great to see you. Grab a seat. Thank you so <laughs> much. Go. How excited are you? Because you've come from a lot of success in your career. You come to this organization with familiar faces yep. in the GM and the coach. How's the transition been for you? Uh, pretty seamless when it comes to the football aspect, for sure. Um, to come in and know the offense day one, um, not only Josh, but um, I could go down the list of uh, coaches from Bo Hardigree, Jerry Shaplinski, Mick Lombardi, Carmen Brasillo, even you know on the defensive side, Pat Graham. So to see a bunch of familiar faces always makes it an easy transition, and it's been great for me to uh, to get back and, and play offense in the, in this system. I got to jump into the shoe game. I'm looking at the hold on, man. We, we, it's the first These are fresh out of the box, man. Yeah. Fresh out of the box. I like it. Looking yeah. sharp. Looking yeah. sharp. How does it feel, though? Just the first day of school almost. You know, it's, yeah. it's picture day and everybody's having yeah. a good time. It's fun. I mean, when you get to this point of where I'm at in my career, you're like, all right, yeah. let's get this over with and, and get back to football. So um, it's fun, especially, you know, going to a new team, trying yeah. new threads. and uh, But, um, you know, see everybody getting – glammed up for their their uh their photo shots and everything but uh no it's great i mean have a great setup here this great facility and yeah. get it all done and like i said get back to football tomorrow i'd say uh tell, what would brian hoyer year one yeah say to brian hoyer year 15 uh i never thought you'd make it that far i mean i started off as like the fifth quarterback in new england so uh to get to year 15 is is um Man. something i'm proud of and Obviously, with this new opportunity and this team and this organization, um, really to end my career, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. So um, excited to meet all the guys. Obviously, a great group. Um, get to work with them every day and and uh, just go out and, you know, execute and have fun. Yeah. To follow up, what does it take for a player who's not the five-star sure. guy, who's not the, to, um, to make it 15? A lot of hard work, um, being, a lot of, uh, being around a lot of great people. 
um, learning from those people and and uh, making those connections and then going out and when you have an opportunity just do, you know do the best you can with it and um, you know keep learning keep building and you know even in year 15 I'm still learning every day so especially the way the game's evolving there's new defenses there's new ways to attack those defenses so um, I've learned from a lot of great people um, obviously coming here uh, a big factor of it was coming to play for Josh because I've learned the most from him over my career and um, just excited about the opportunity. Ryan, tell us about the system. Why mm -hmm. is it so successful? Because you would think it would be really difficult yeah. and demanding. Derek Carr, former quarterback, all the success in New England. What is really the key to this system and learning and getting up to speed? Yeah, it's um, look, it's not easy, but this is the NFL. It's not supposed to be easy. Right. Um, Josh puts a lot of responsibility on the players and especially on the quarterback. And I think um, once I learned to embrace that, it opened my eyes to, you know, what it does for you as a player and not only for the quarterback, but the entire offense. So, like I said, you know, you asked, you know, how do you make it this long? It's being around really smart people, learning from those people, not only um, Josh, but um, Tom and, and guys like that to be able to be in the room and watch those guys game plan and say, hey, this is why we're doing this. And you learn to understand the why. And it's not just you know the X's and O's on the paper. There's a reason for everything. And I think when you get to that point, you realize you know um, they're putting us in the best advantage and best opportunity to, to win. And that's all you can ask for. How, how important is it for you to be able to send that message to the rest of the guys in the, in the locker room that may just start to learn the system, even yeah. backup quarterbacks like Aiden O'Connell as well? Yeah. Um, look, I think that's part of the role. That's part of the reason I'm here. Um, we have a lot of other guys who've played in the system. Adam Jacoby Myers, right. one of the smartest players that I've ever played with, um, you know, was able to, to learn it quickly as a rookie. I remember, you know, as a joke, I guess in, in New England, they make the rookies wear all these crazy numbers. He was number 69 playing receiver. <laughs> and um, he was one of the main guys I was working with because he was like on the second team. And he was another undrafted guy. And I was like, man, this guy can play. You know what I mean? Former quarterback, knew, you know, where the zones were in the defense. And he did a great job. So excited to, you know, pair back up with him. And, but, um, you know, all of us who've played in the system before, like it is our responsibility to um, help those other guys if they have questions or, you know, maybe point something out that maybe they're not noticing. And, um, you know, I think that's part of our role. Yeah, what's the number, what would you say the number one ingredient or aspect of a person's game uh, to make them successful in this system? Uh, well, I think it's, it's communication. Okay. Um, I think it's communication and trust. I think, um, you know, when you see us out there, there's a lot of communication going on and, and you all have to see it through the same set of eyes. So that's what this OTAs, that's what the mini camps for is to, you know, build the, that foundation and make sure that when the ball snapped, everybody's seen it the same way. And I think, um, you know, football is the ultimate team sport, especially offense. You know, on defense, one guy can fall down, he could be away from the play, it doesn't yeah. hurt him. But on offense, you know, one guy messes up, it probably messes up the other 10 guys. So we're just working on building that consistency right now, um, kind of coming together, gelling together. And, um, you know, it's great to have those opportunities in the spring and then come training camp to, to kind of build that foundation. One of the big sports radio topics over the decades now, because Tom Brady played so long, was <laughs> was it Brady? Was it the play calls? And I always say there is no Tom Brady unless Bill Belichick and the organization drafts him. Sure. And if Josh McDaniels isn't there for all those Super Bowls designing those plays, yeah. then there's no AFC championship victories come from behind in a Super Bowl down 28 to three. I want you to tie that into what coach is trying to do now with you, Jimmy, the system here, yeah. with a guy like Devontae and Josh Jacobs, because you played with elite players winning championships in New England. Yeah, um, look, it's all got to tie together. I mean, the thing that, you know, I had a front row seat to, to witness all those guys work, and, um, 
you know, the, like we talked about before, the communication, the trust, the understanding of what, what's the goal? What, what, are the, what are the musts this week? What do we have to do to win this game? And, um, you know, for me, it's been fun to come out here and run this system with a guy like Devontae. Uh -huh. You know, quite honestly, I've never been in this <laughs> offense when you have a guy like him who's just like a human cheat code, and no matter what they do, you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I mean, I sat there and watched the film from last year over and over, and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, how, how is he making this catch? And then you get a chance to go out there and throw it to him, and you're like, all right, just put it in his vicinity. Yeah. Um, you know, so to get to do that, uh, you know, eventually get, you know, get playing with Josh. Um, he had a tremendous year last year. Um, you know, the wide receiver room is obviously deep. We talked about Jacoby, but um, obviously Hunter Renfro and – and, um, you know, Philip Dorsett. I mean, I play with Phil. I mean, this guy's a speed he demon. Run, He's huh? a speed demon. So, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of different aspects. And I think, you know, you talk about this offense. Each year is different in this mm -hmm. offense, and it's all about the players. You know, how are we going to put our players in the best position to have success? And, you know, Josh is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, at doing those things. So, you know, that goes back to the trust and, and understand, you know, some things might be a little difficult, but there's a reason that we're doing it. Well, thank you so much. We're going to hand it off to Jacoby. There he's he is. Jump in Number 69. Right. Yeah, that that's right. Transition. Number 69, rookie year, remember? That is transition. That's thank you, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate thank you so much, Brian. Have a great year. Appreciate it very much. Boyd, the official local casinos of the Raiders. Welcome to where you want to be. Welcome to where the 5 to 9 more than makes up for the 9 to 5. To where you check your troubles, along with your coat. Days are made even at 10 at night. Welcome to the best time you've ever had since the last time you were here. To old friends, new experiences, and forgotten cares. Welcome to where life moves at the speed of you. Welcome to nine one-of-a-kind experiences by Boyd. Welcome to where you want to be. What's up, Raider Nation? It's friend of the program, AJ Cole, and you're listening to Upon Further Review with my guy, close personal friend, Eddie Pascal. And there you have it, Brian Hoyer from Content Day with JT the Brick, Eric Allen, and Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio. Man, those were a lot of fun. I I'm glad that we were able to bring those to you over the past couple weeks as we kind of like I said, we get to do a summer summer edition of Upon Further View, and we will have some cool, uh, fun little, I want to say off the wall, but different kind of guests over the next couple of weeks as we get ready for training camp, and I cannot wait to bring those conversations to each and every one of you. But in the meantime, the holiday weekend is beckoning. It is time to hit the dusty trail and get out of here, but not before we crack an ice-cold Coors Light on the way out. Uh, and this one, real easy. Not going to have to, didn't have to do a lot of thinking on this one. July 4th, while we celebrate our independence in this country, it is also Al Davis's birthday. Uh, none of us would be here without the instrumental work that Al did over decades and decades and decades, uh, really shaping not only the course of this franchise, but the NFL and professional sports in so many ways. So, Mr. Davis, this one is for you. Literally, it's, it's wild to think about that I'm not here. You guys aren't listening to this show. The Raiders are not here in Las Vegas doing their thing without the contributions, the vision, the commitment to excellence that Mr. Davis possessed. So, yeah, very, very cool. And, and I think that, you know, I, and I talk about it all the time. I think one of the best things that the Raiders do organizationally is educating not only their fans, but their employees about the history of this place. And I think that's, like I said, it's, it's one of the things that I think is the coolest about working here. 
that is the most impressive about working here is our firm eye, our firm commitment to looking ahead to the future, but also very, very, very much acknowledging, respecting, and honoring our past. So uh, a huge one coming up here on on 4th of July. And make sure you head on over to Raiders.com. We do a really, really nice job. I know that I'm biased, but I think we do a really nice job of kind of honoring Al, uh, really highlighting some of his best moments over a Hall of Fame career. And over the weekend, or excuse me, early next week, I should say, you can uh, you can find all those on Raiders.com and all of our digital properties. So yeah, quick programming note before we hit the road. Uh, a lot of us are getting out of Dodge next week. A little vacation, well-earned for a lot of folks here in our department, but fear not. Because over the next couple weeks, and spoiler alert, we did pre-record one. Oh, no, I can't. You're showing, showing us how the magic is made. Yeah. Over the next couple weeks, we are going to officially dive in to our offense and defense and special team six-pack. This is one of my favorite kind of off-season projects that we do. Jesse Merrick, the aforementioned from News 3, uh, my co-host for the next couple episodes of Upon Further Review. And next week, we begin with offense. So we begin with a six-pack of questions surrounding all things Las Vegas Raiders. And yes, we touch on it feels like everything. We talk about Jimmy G. We talk about the depth of certain positions on the roster, who we need to see more from this upcoming season, and more. So make sure uh, that you tune in for that. It'll be in our usual time, our usual place, all that. And because Jesse's in the house and because we have a little production, as it were, you can check those entire episodes out on YouTube. So make sure you do that. Again, make sure you subscribe to the Raiders Training Camp podcast. That'll be me and Jesse starting in late July in less than a month, getting you guys all ready for training camp, breaking down what we see every single day at practice. And it is a load of fun to do that now. Season three of the Eddie and Merrick experience for that. So a lot of fun things coming up. When you guys are out in the world this weekend, celebrating the 4th, Be careful. Be safe. If you're here in Vegas, make sure you're drinking a lot of water because it is going to be hot, hot, hot. And if you are out and about wherever you are, make sure that you, uh, yeah, you're being safe. No drinking and driving. Don't want to be everyone's dad. But let's all take care of each other. Be careful out there. And we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place for our next episode, Offensive Six Pack of Upon Further Review.